Thank you, April. Thank you all. You can be seated. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but favorant in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, as it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you, Kimberly. It's Family Sunday, so kindergarten through fifth graders, if you guys want to come up, we're going to do a quick little lesson. I got a cross word search, word search for you, because I forgot to put them out beforehand. So this is how you'll get them. Scarlet, there you go. Sir, ma'am. There you go. There you go. I can have enough. I've got more in the printer. Didn't, wasn't patient enough. There you go, sir. There you go. Wow. Was that exactly the right amount? Well, there's more in the printer, but all right. Cool. So here we go. Ready? This is, this is your guys' guys's lesson. I know you guys got to sit there after this. Oh, you, I do have more. I do have more. Hey, God, will you grab a couple out of the printer for me? It's, thanks, Jennifer. Um, I'll get you crosswords in a second. Um, so we're talking about love today. Like, genuine love. Um, what does that mean? What's real love? When, when has somebody... Thank you, ma'am. When, when have you... Thank you, darling. Um, when have you loved somebody, like, really? And when have you loved somebody, like, fake? Can you think of it? Can you think of the time? It's pretty, it's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? All right, how about this? Do we have, I think we have mostly siblings in here. Does everybody have siblings in here? I think so, right? Yeah, you all do. Most of your siblings are sitting right next to you. Okay, all right. Your siblings up there. All right. Have you ever told your sibling, your brother or your sister, don't do that, you might get hurt? That would be real love. It doesn't hurt you, Right? You care that your brother or sister doesn't get hurt, right? That's good love. That's really good love. And in fact, as you get older, um, who your brother and sister is changes, right? Like we, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And so we should care if anybody in this church gets hurt or, or might be doing something that might hurt them, we should care for each other. That's what... Jesus says is genuine love. Now, what's fake love then? Fake love would be, let's say, you guys like cookies? Okay. Let's say your mom or dad makes some cookies, and, you, and they, they tell you, not your brother or sister, these are for after dinner. But they're sitting on the counter. And they smell good, right? And your brother or sister comes up and goes, hey, there's cookies up there. Can we have some? 
And you say, yeah. You don't tell them all of it. You don't tell them that they can have some after dinner. You just tell them that they can have some. And they go up and they just scarf. And they eat a bunch of cookies. And then your mom or dad comes in and, and maybe gets upset with them. I don't know, right? Would that have been a loving thing for you to do? But they got to eat the cookies? Why, so why isn't that loving? Yeah, because they got in trouble. So when we talk about love, love isn't just a feeling. It's not just, I want my brother or sister to taste delicious cookies. That's not loving. Loving is caring for them, not wanting them to get in trouble or keeping them safe, right? That's what genuine love is. And so Paul, what, what you heard Miss Kimberly just read, he has this whole long list with a bunch of words, and we're going to go through them, of like these different ways that we can really love. And, and honestly, you guys, you ready for this? In this room, you guys are probably the best at loving others. I know that sounds weird, but we don't do so good at that. We're really good at loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves. But when you're a kid, you have this like innate, like you, you don't want other people to get in trouble. When you become an adult, you're like, I don't care about them. That's a them problem. So hold on to this. This is why Jesus says, let the little children come to me. And he even says that we ought to have faith like you guys. So go through, do your crossword search puzzle thing, and um, it's okay if you talk to your parents a little bit. It's okay. Nobody's going to mind. Thanks for being in here, and um, enjoy the service, okay? And then we'll all eat afterwards, so. You can take it. It's okay. I've got plenty now. <laughs> Questions? All right. All right. So we do this. If you're a guest here, welcome. I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors. We do this, you know, once a month. Um, really, part of it is because is, I like teaching kids, frankly. <laughs> uh, a little more entertaining because then they say fun stuff and then you got to roll with the punches and, um, and you guys just sit there quietly, right? Um, but more than that, it's so that they see you worship. That's really what it is. It's that they see you open up God's word. They see you um, listening, applying, taking notes. They see you paying attention. They see you singing and worshiping. Like, that's why we do this, and, and it's good. And this is, this is the goal of us, right? Like, like, we are bringing up these children. And if you're in here and you're like, well, I don't have any kids in here. Well, yeah, but we're a family, right? And, and they see not just their parents. They see their parents' friends. They see other people in this church. And so... Um, and we're going we're gonna to dive into this a little bit more. Um, as we go through what... He, he's going to spend a little bit of time, and we're not going to spend a lot on it, but what you guys read this week, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that. I'm just going to hit it, and then we're going to move on, right? Um, so if you're, if you're new here, we, we're bouncing back and forth. So we're going through Romans. We've been going through it since March, I think. Um, and... Like this morning, I'm going to preach on Romans 12, 9 through 21, and then you guys are going to have 22 through something. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's on the website, right? And so, so then you guys will do that, and then we'll pick back up in here. Uh, chapter 13, I think it's verse 8 is when we'll all pick up next week. And so we do this back and forth, and, it, and it's partly so that we can go through Romans twice as fast, but also so that our discussion is the same, right? There's a, there's a continuity. There's a continuity between your small groups and what you're studying in small groups and with your families, your own personal devotion time. And what you're hearing in here, right? And so we're going back and forth. And, um, and the youth are doing the same, right? The youth are, are hitting those in-betweens. And so my, my goal and, and the pastor's goal and passion for this is that this changes our conversation. Not just on Sunday mornings. But this changes the conversation in your homes. That, that you have an opportunity to maybe after today talk about what is love. And expand on some of those things. And maybe you think my metaphors were bad, you know? Like... Grab another one and, and, and dig in with your kids to help them understand and comprehend what genuine love looks like. And, and frankly, maybe, maybe we'll learn a little bit from our kids, right? Um, so that's what we're going to be going through this morning. It, it's going to be a little bit different because as you saw, 
or as you heard when Kimberly read, thank you for reading, uh, Kimberly, um, it's rapid fire. It's very like, it, I, and I, I don't do musical terms well, but I remember when I, I think I got this from Baby Einstein. Um, it's staccato, right? Is that, am I right? Am I, yes, thank you, April. Great job singing too, by the way, April. That was amazing. Um, you know, it's this rapid fire, bam, 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 bam. And you're just like, gee, wow, wow, wow that's a lot. And so we're, we're going to try to slow that down. Um, because how long does it take us to read this? What, 30 seconds? And on any given day, I, I mean, I've probably read Romans 12, I don't know, a handful of times. Could I, do I have those memorized? No. Do I have them applying well in my life? No. So we're going to kind of sink in to that later part of that. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time uh, on that very first verse, uh, Romans 12, 9, and then we're going to really dig into the rest. Before we do that, let me start by praying. Father, we thank you for this time. We give it up to you, for you to speak through your word, for you to soften our hearts, convict us, open our eyes and ears to your truth, God, we ask for your mercy here this morning. I pray that as we walk out of here, that, that we would see you in a new light, that we would see ourselves more clearly, and that you would be glorified. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have a Bible, get it out. Uh, the verses will be on the screens as well. If you, if you have uh, a digital Bible, you can open that up. We have plenty of physical Bibles. In fact, this is really cool. So we had one of the, uh, one of the kids moved up into youth, and I'm not going to call her out because I don't want to embarrass her, but uh, moved up into youth, and so we gave the youth like Bibles, like study Bibles, so that they can kind of dig in a little more. Well, this morning she brought in her kid's Bible to give to somebody. So if, if any, sorry, I'm like, I, I, I cry a lot, so if you're new here, I'm sorry. Um, I was being teased last night for crying too much. Um, so, um, but honestly, like, so I've got this, this kid's Bible up here, which is really just super cool. So if there's, um, if there's a family in here, uh, kids, and you, you want another uh, little Bible, then uh, let me know. Come on up. First come, first serve. Um, all right. Paul made the transition in Romans 12, um, to the imperatives of the gospel, right? In Romans 1 through 11, it was the foundation, right? We talked about this massive concrete slab that God poured for us. And he's like, build your house on this. And we went, I'm going to go on the sand over here and build, right? And he goes, no, no, build it on this, right? And so now what he's doing is he's talking about what these lives are, what they look like that are built on this firm foundation. And so he's going to start digging through this. And if you remember last week, right, he said that our, our lives should be living sacrifices. And that's like this broad term that we're going, to, we're going to see 12 all the way through the end of Romans. What does my life should be a living sacrifice? What does that mean? What does that look like? Let's put some meat on the bones of this thing and really understand what God means by that. Because we, it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, I... I sacrifice things and I do things that are good and nice and I'm a generally kind person, or at least people think I am, you know? And we go, well, what, what does it mean? And, and we spent a lot of time last week going, no, that's not what he says. He says, he says like, like, don't think about this like you're giving God these, these little things, these treasures. Like, like your entire life is for building up God's kingdom and for glorifying him. Everything that you do. Not, there isn't a single facet of your life that is outside of that category. And so, so now what he's doing is he's unpacking that. And if you remember that he doesn't just start this in 12, he kind of drops a little like kind of foreshadowing back in chapter 6. And if you go back to Romans chapter 6, verse 19, this is going to give us a little bit of a clue as to why he says that we ought to have lives that are living sacrifices. Okay, we're going to read this first, and then I'm going to dive in, because this, we, we got to get this. Otherwise, we're going to get lost as we, as we move forward, okay? Um, I think I've got the whole verse up there, maybe. 
Um, Romans 6, 19. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And so I want you to take this idea of like living sacrifices and this, you guys remember this uh, a few months ago, we talked about being slaves to righteousness. They were no longer enslaved to sin, but they were slaves to God. They were slaves to righteousness. Well, these are, these are one and the same. When we're living a life that's a sacrificial life, we are slaves to righteousness. And what does he say at the end? Leading to what? Sanctification. What's, what's sanctification? We spend a time on this when, when Paul, early on, right, in Romans chapter 3, 4, and 5, as he was talking about like laying that foundation, right? He's, he was saying that we get this righteousness through faith. But then what we see in our lives is that we become more and more like Christ. He, he's setting us apart more and more. And that's sanctification, that we're becoming more and more holy throughout our lives. That's what God wants from us. That's what God wants to do in us. It's probably a better way of saying that. And so when we talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that's the sanctification. You ought to, as a follower of Christ, with the indwelling Holy Spirit, you ought to see more and more fruit in your life. That's not something that you're doing per se. That's the Holy Spirit that's doing that through you. But you can be an obstacle to it. And so what he's saying here is, is that as we live lives as slaves to righteousness, as we are living sacrifices, we are being made more and more holy. We're being sanctified with the end state of what? Becoming more and more like Christ, showing Christ to the world, showing Christ to each other, right? The more loving you are, the more caring you are, the more grace you show, the more all of this stuff, right? Like the more that the world will see Jesus Christ in you. That's a good thing because then they go, well, who's Jesus? You see, and the, and the end state is what? Not that somebody looks at you and goes, man, that's a really good person. I want to be like that person. Not for your glory, for the glory of God. Well, how does that work? Well, you're a wretched sinner, and so am I, right? And so God takes this, this just nasty, sinful mess of a human, and he makes us holy. He, he sets us apart. He changes the affections in our hearts. Who gets the glory for that? God does. And so God is glorified Okay, you guys with me? Here we go. I'm going to tie it all back. God is glorified when we're sanctified because it proves that he can do what he says he's going to do. And when we're, and we're sanctified by what? Living lives as sacrifices and slaves to righteousness. You guys with me on this? We got to get that because otherwise we can flip this whole thing upside down and we can start thinking, well, I got to be a holy roller. I got to do all these good things. I got to make sure good or else God is going to smite me. It's not it. It's not it. The foundation's been laid. The question is, what do, you, what do you do with this? And how do you respond to this? All right, so you guys with me on this? Because like that foundation, and it, man, I'll, I'll tell you, like we're going to have the family gathering after this, and we're going to hang out, and we're going to eat some food and all that stuff. And like if, if this is something you're like, I just don't quite get this, please talk to me, talk to one of the pastors, talk to Brian or Tim. Like just, man, we got, you got to get this. Because this is the gospel, okay? And you can have a distorted gospel, right? You can totally miss this, and you can look very Christian. And you can, you can be at the gates of heaven, and you can say, Lord, Lord, did I not serve you? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Can I, did I not do all these incredible things? And this is what Jesus says, and he says, I never knew you. Why? Because you were doing things for the wrong motivation, okay? So this is fundamental, and so we're going to get into this now, and Paul's going to start shooting from the hip, and he's going to be like, love looks like this, love looks like this, love looks like this. And you're going to go, okay, let me start checking these things off. Let me try to figure out how I can be loving like that. That's not the point, okay? But it should be a pursuit for us. So, all right. I know it sounds like I'm talking on both sides of my mouth, but like that's, that, this is the complexity of the gospel, and we've got to be able to grasp both sides of this, okay? All right. So, the, so, we're, we're sacrificing. The first sacrifice, you guys read this week. Um, 
and that, that you are one body. That's the first sacrifice. That, that we, not you like individually, but that we, the church, are one body. That's the first sacrifice. Let me, let me read this uh, to you here. In Romans 12, 5. He says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. This metaphor, we like, we hear the term church body and we dismiss it as like an archaic kind of thing. I don't think we really process this one. This metaphor is used throughout Scripture. God is very clear that He sees the, the church, the, the local church, as being one body, many members, different gifts. And these gifts are used together to do what? To represent Christ. Because me by myself, you by yourself, like we, we can't adequately reflect Christ. And so together, we do that better. And this is how God created the church and why he created the church. And so you can go back, you can read 1 Corinthians 12, you can read all these other passages of Scripture that talk about this. Why is that a sacrifice? Why is it a sacrifice? It's a sacrifice because you think that you're an individual. And I think I'm an individual. And Western society has said, individualism is it. Like, you just take care of you. You've got your own world. You've, you've got your income. You've got your 401k. You've got your stuff. You've got your things. You've got your family. You've got, you got your job. You've got whatever. You've got yours. And then it's up to everybody else to get theirs. That, that's, guys, that, that, don't, don't convolute that with what scripture says. We need to sacrifice our ideas of individualism and go, no, no, we're one body. We're different. We're all given different gifts, but to be expressed and used together. There is no Christian that God wants to be outside of the fold of a church. I mean, now maybe, maybe in times, right, in certain places and things of that nature, but even you look at Paul and what does he do? Is he goes around and he's, traveling all over the place, he beds down in churches and he plugs into these churches because they're important. This is an extra. You cannot, you cannot just read your Bible in your living room by yourself and experience the full grace of God. You can't. It, it, that's not how God designed it. You with me? Like, you can't read these passages of Scripture and say, like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't need the foot. I don't need the hand. Those, those are the, I don't need the mouth. I don't need this. No, you do. To be a fully functioning body, you need all the members. And I, I say this all the time. God continues to bring people through that door that are like, I have this gift. And it's like, that's, that's what we're looking for. Perfect. And I have no doubt that that's what he does. He, he put us all together here. Like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know you guys before you rolled in here. I didn't know anybody in this town 10 years ago. But here we are. And maybe you're looking around and everybody's got name tags on, right? Maybe? I don't know. I, I, we decided to do this. We're going to start doing this every family gathering. Listen, I'm horrible with names. It takes me forever. If you're new here, I apologize. But um, the most awkward thing is going, I've seen this person for like six months to a year, and I just, I don't know their name. I solved that problem for you, okay? So now you, <laughs> the only problem, I'm in the military too, right? So, so like name tags are good. The problem is you got to break eye contact to look at the name tag, and they're going to see you do that, okay? So you got to do that very subtly somehow, and, and like, you know, maybe, maybe pass by them once to see it, and then come back around, loop around, and then go... Oh, hey, right? Just as a technique. But we're one body. Okay, so that's the first way that that's a sacrifice because we're not just individuals. We can't just live by ourselves and we want to and the world tells us we can, but we can't. We ought not. We, we can do it. It's just not the best thing for us. And we can, that's a whole other sermon on why, what the functions of the church body are. But let's just say in, in one aspect, that's a huge sacrifice. Number two sacrifice is Man, we really think that, um, that how God made us is 
sometimes better than how God made other people. Or that the, the gifts that we have are better than other gifts. And so there's an there's a ego that can build in this. And, and, and in particular, that often resides on the stage, right? That's, that's the most dangerous place, right? People that are, that are leading in worship or, or preaching, right? But, but it, it doesn't only sit on this stage. And so there's this ego saying, like, like my gifts are better than those gifts, or, or that, that person doesn't really have any gifts, or that person's just, you know, like, they just kind of sit around and they do, do they're, just nice pe- they're just nice to people. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever, right? Like, whatever that looks like, and, and he's very clear in Romans here and, and early on in chapter 12, and then also in 1 Corinthians 12, that no, no, don't think of it like that. Don't think you're special in that respect. Okay? I, like, Sure, you all got trophies when you were kids. Like, you're special because God knows you and he made you and he knit you together in your mother's womb. And... But you're not specialer than the person sitting next to you. You with me? And that's a sacrifice. Because sometimes we think like, yeah, they, if they just make, like, they're just not making good decisions and that's a them problem. No, it's a you problem. Because... You're one body. So if you didn't read Romans chapter 12, 3 through 8, I'd encourage you to go back and read that this week and, and kind of dig in, because that's, that's a big sacrifice. It really is. Um, but there's a second sacrifice, and the one that we're going to spend more of our time on this morning, and that's genuine love. So look at, read with me Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. I love genuinely. Um, that word genuine in Greek is actually let your love be without hypocrisy. I think that's so much better. I don't know why sometimes they change the words to, but hypocrisy I get. Genuine is soft, fuzzy edges. Hypocrisy, that. That's a searing word, right? Hypocrisy is what? That I say something out of my mouth, my heart isn't in line with that, right? Like what I actually think and what I, what I say, or sorry, what, what, I, what am I doing here? Heads, shoulders, yeah. So my, my mind and my heart are, are in one place, but my words come out differently. That's hypocrisy. Talked about that with the kids a little bit, right? And when's our love fake? And this, this is what the world is an expert at. And what we, sadly, church, are being pulled into. And we cannot miss this. We cannot miss this because here, here's, there, there's a couple things that I, I like, I don't know. I felt like I could have spent the entire sermon on just this. Um, but, you know, last year we, we divvied up where, this, where the verses were going to be, and, and so I, I kind of got to move a little bit. But, man, I... <sighs> I said this before. I don't know that I fully convinced some people that I've said this to, to include my own family. Christian love is not the same as the world's love. I'm going to say this in a different way, and this, this might be offensive to you. The world cannot love the way we ought to love. I'm not saying the way that we do love, because we're not very good at it all the time. But Christ's love, God's love, is different than the world's. And I know, like I know people that don't know Christ, that are the most they seem to be the most loving people ever, okay? And, and I, I want to caution you on this here because I've, I've listened, and as I was prepping for this sermon, I was listening to things, and I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like that because, because at times, people will say, it's their motivations. You never know their motivations. The world, they're all, they're all suspect motivations. And we kind of like make them like demons in disguise. I don't know, I, I'm not there. Let me, let me tell you where I think this lands. Um, 
And I wrote it down because I didn't want to mess it up. Genuine love cares for the eternity of the person at the expense of their feelings. Genuine love cares for the eternity of the person at the expense of their feelings. I, but I want to eat the cookies. Go ahead. Eat the cookies. Good luck. That's not loving. It may satisfy their appetite. It may, it may solve their feelings then and now, but that's not the most loving thing. I'm not going to... I'm not going to go into the secondary and tertiary. I'm going to let you guys navigate that. But you guys agree with that statement? Because I think this is where the world divides from God. Because the world can love me. They can love me and they can give me all sorts of great financial advice. They can give me great parenting advice. They can give me great whatever. But if that doesn't line up with eternity, it's not loving. It can't be. It's pragmatic. God's love is not pragmatic. God cares for your soul. And looking around this room, look around this room for a second. We Seriously, like I know it's weird, but just do it. It's okay. Like You should care for each other's souls. You should care for your coworkers' souls. Not what's comfortable for them. There's a lot of people that are going to go to hell comfortably. Because we've got to get this, because this is different. This isn't, love isn't just like ooey gooey feelings. God is love. We love because He first loved us. Real love. Real love that, that looks into somebody and goes, man, I love you so much, i got to tell you this hard truth. And, I, you know, when I, when I think about this with my own family, um, the opportunities I've had to speak truth to some of my extended family and, and haven't taken advantage of them. And, I, and, I, and then I, I walk away going, how much do I love them? And that's super convicting. Because if I really love them, that could be the last thing they hear. That could be my last opportunity to communicate God's love, the gospel to them. That's genuine love. Turn over to 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. <laughs> Listen to this. Just for, if you, if you want to learn about love, man, 1 John's a great, great, great book for it. That's what he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Little children... He's not talking to kids, by the way. He's just being very pastoral and caring and loving. He says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, there's a connection, and we're going to talk more about this next week, but there's a connection between love and truth. And the world doesn't see it like that. It's your truth. And if you're loving... You'll love my truth. All right. So before we get into the rest of this, I, I, I want us to I want us to think about how, how we apply scripture in our lives. Let's say you read this in your morning devotion, right? What does God expect? That we read these verses about love and then we're like, oh, that's all I have to do? Got it. I'm going to go start living that way. It doesn't work like that, right? 
Is it, is it just to make us feel bad? Like, this is what real love is, and you're obviously falling short, so, you know, heads up. Is it that? What does he expect from us when we read Scripture? And, and this is really important, because when you're reading Scripture, you've got you to dwell on this. And we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to practice that a little bit here, and so it's going to be a little different. I'm going I'm to try to sit down. I don't know if it's going to work. I've tried that once, and then I stood back up. But I'm going to try to sit down here because, because what we ought to do is meditate on Scripture. Not read it. Meditate on it. Reflect on it. Pray through it. That's what he wants for us. Let me, let me give you a reference here. James chapter 1. He has this just incredible um, metaphor uh, James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Okay? It's kind of a funny metaphor, right? Bathroom mirror. There's Jonathan. All right. I, I see myself. Right? He says, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James gives us this metaphor, like reading God's word is like looking at ourselves in a mirror and seeing what we really look like. This is what we really look like. Fluorescent lights and all, right? Like, yeah. I'm proud of these wrinkles, right? Like, I squint a lot. It's cool, right? And so that's who you really are. And then you walk away and you forget who you really are. And I could go with this metaphor a bunch of places, but I don't want to be like, uh, you know, vain or anything, right? But like, like, right? Like, you can sit here and go, like, I'm clearly a supermodel, you know what I mean? And then walk away, and people are like, yeah. but have you seen me? Yeah. Have you seen you? <laughs> I'll use myself as an example, right? So, but he's saying, like, 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 this is who you really are. So when we're reading scripture, that's what we should see. We should see our reflection of who we really are before a holy and just God who we really are when we love. What does our love really look like? All right, here we go. Um, so, there, there's a couple reasons why I'm doing this. Because I want to slow this down. Um, not out of disrespect for God's word, um, but out of respect for it. So I feel like if I, if I read through the next 10 verses, I'm just reading you stuff. And maybe, I mean, I could, we could sit and have a sermon on each one of those verses probably. But I want to look at it because in a different way, because God, God is showing us what our love ought to be and what hypocritical love is. And so we're going to see, I think, if we're honest with ourselves, reflections of our own love. But we've got to slow down to go through it. Um, he bookends this. The rest of verse 9 and verse 21 talk about evil and good. I was going to talk about this at the end, but I think I'm going to talk about it right now. <laughs> this is more than just you being a loving person. That's not, this isn't morality. This isn't just God wants us to be moral, upright, loving people. 
This is how God is defeating Satan. We're going to get more to that here at the end. So, so don't think that these are just like principles to live by and ways to be a more loving person or 10 steps to, to being liked. I don't know. That's not what this is. These should be convicting truths, and, and I know they are for me. So we're going to jump in. Romans chapter nine or chapter 12, verse 9. The second part of that, he says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Man, right off the top. That, one's, that one hurts me. Um, he, he's talking about your love for God here. Your love for good. If you love God, genuinely, you will abhor evil. It will be a horror to you. Evil is not a horror to me. I watch plenty of it. I listen to plenty of it. I laugh at evil. You guys with me? Are we all in the same boat here? Things that are against God. We have so watered it down. It's been, become such a, such a thing in our lives that we don't, even, we, we don't even wince at it anymore. And I don't know if you're a parent, but you, know, you, you like watch a movie or something, you're like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. And then you're like, well, let me watch it to see if my kids can watch it. And then all of a sudden you're like, eh, why? Why is that the case? <laughs> how, how is it not good for your kids, but it's okay for you? Oh, well, because I don't, because it doesn't translate into my life. Yeah, right. It does. We're not invincible. And do we really love what's good? Because the, the thing is, is a lot of times what's good is inconvenient. But if we really loved it, if we genuinely loved it, does convenience matter? Convenience doesn't matter in my marriage. I love my wife inconveniently at times. Do I love God inconveniently at times? He's not standing right there to look at me in a different way. Not that you do, honey. Right? Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You guys, I would, I, and I've said this to a couple of you, and, and I, don't, um, I don't know if this is right or wrong. I've got to be honest. I'm very pessimistic that when I read the Acts 2 church, that that's possible. I don't know if that makes sense to you, if, if it doesn't go back and read Acts 2 and read about what that church looks like and having all things in common and sharing their things with and that's not me being critical of you guys. I just don't know. Like, I think God's got this beautiful picture of this community that, like, like Israel, stands out in the midst of the world. And God uses it to declare what real love looks like and what real community looks like and what heaven will look like. I just don't think we... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, maybe, maybe, those, maybe it'd be different if the church was in the center of town and we all walked to church and we were, all, we were all in the same community, but we drive 30 minutes to get here, right? Or we drive 25 minutes to get anywhere in Jacksonville, right? Like, it's, it's harder from a community perspective. It really is. And we gotta recognize that because if we're not intentional about building that community, we're gonna just deal with it. Like, that's just how it's going to be. But that's not what he had. Brotherly affection. Showing honor. Outdo each other in showing honor. Like, like showing each other so much honor instead of seeking honor and seeking accolades. Verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal, 
be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Again, he's, he's still talking love here. He's talking what's hypocritical love. Do you really love God and serve God? And this, there's some translation stuff. But this, this zeal is like business. It's like your, your daily business. He's like, don't be slothful in that. Be fervent in the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. I don't do that. I, I work. <laughs> I flip a switch in my brain when I get to work, and I work hard, and I, and I work. And then when I drive home, somewhere on my 45-minute drive home, the switch flips off, and then I do family stuff. How's the Holy Spirit going to lead us in our workplace if, if it's totally distinct from our worship place? It's hypocrisy. You, guys, you, guys, you see where he's showing hypocrisy in each one of these things. Because it's hypocrisy. You're saying all these things. But you're not doing them. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. This is faith. This, is, this verse right here is do you trust God? Or are you a hypocrite? Do you, do you say you trust God, but you're really just solving the problem yourself? You're not patient in your tribulation. You're not rejoicing in hope. You're not being constant in prayer. Why are we so fickle? You see, and I, I, I don't know how to express all of these things. This, this should not feel like a, a beating upon your brow, right? Like, this isn't intended to be like, this is, take this and that. But the fact that it's challenging to us should tell us that, man, maybe my love isn't as genuine as I thought it. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Your possessions are not your possessions. I mean, that pulls the rug out from the world, right? That says, like, pursue and success and get all these things. No, it, but it's, it's not for you. It's for God. It's his resources that he's given you. Whether that's cars or houses or, or money or whatever, right? Like, like it's all for God for building his kingdom. That's what it ought to be. But we say that. We say, yes, God, yes. Like, it's all for you. I mean, except for this. Like, this, this, is, this is kind of me time. And this is, this, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't want us to live in cardboard boxes. And so we go to this extreme to justify our hypocrisy because then we feel better. We go, well, he doesn't want us to go all the way over there, so I'm good with staying over here. No. That's a fallacy. That's not how that works. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. That's a tough one, isn't it? And we live in a time right now that this is it. This is, this is the division. This is why we see it. This is why I can say that the world's love is wholly inadequate. Because it's about division. It's about creating your own group. It's about an echo chamber. It's about... It's about being like rightly loving people that love you back. Awesome, great, fantastic, good job. Everybody does that. That's not what Jesus commands us to do. It's not what he says on the Sermon on the Mount. It's not what Paul says here. And he doesn't say, don't persecute your persecutors. I think that that's how we've kind of ridden onto that. Like as if we have some ability to like 
persecute each other. And it's like this back and forth. No, what does he say? He says, don't curse them. Don't talk badly about them. How are we doing? He doesn't say, see, we, we, we have this, this beautiful defensive mechanism that's like, well, I'm not there, and therefore I'm good to be over here. He goes, no, don't even curse them. I get it. Even in this room, there's people that have different views with you, guaranteed, on probably any topic, hopefully, other than that Christ is Lord. But other than that, probably every other topic, you can find somebody in this room that will disagree with you. People that might be adamant about it. What do you do with that? People that, hopefully, again, not in this room, maybe, maybe outside, but like people that might look down on you or persecute you or tease you or whatever, how do you respond? Retaliate? Share a reel? Post something? says don't curse them and then don't relegate that to just curse words people okay it's another little christian thing that we do oh these are the these, these are the naughty words don't say those but i can say anything else i didn't actually curse come on now okay. verse 15 this is a beautiful one rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep live in harmony with one another this this is real love You know, we can say that we love each other, but when you're, the person sitting next to you or the, the person, in the, maybe, maybe better, the person in the row behind or in front of you is suffering and weeping, are you weeping with them? Do you care for their soul? Like, what, what, what's driving them to that place? Why are they there? Can you come alongside of them? Or when they're celebrating and great things are happening, are you envious? Are you jealous? Are you excited for them? We're all sorts of muddled up in this, aren't we? I am. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And this can be a dangerous one. You know, this is, this is where that, those earlier verses of us being one body and God giving us each other to speak wisdom into our lives. Man, if you're haughty, if you, if you esteem yourself, and he, he says this earlier in, in uh, Romans 12 as well, if you esteem yourself too much, nobody can speak into your life. If you think you're the one that always has the right answer, How's the body going to help you? That's real. God spoke truth from the mouth of a donkey. There's no donkeys in here. God can use absolutely every single person in here to speak truth into somebody else's life. You with me on that? Not new truth. Not new truth, just, right? We, we blind ourselves to things. We stop, we stop seeing certain things of ourselves. Repay no one evil for evil, but, be, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. All. Live peaceably with all. Do what's honorable in the sight of all. That seems impossible. Doesn't it? If I do it this way, these people will be mad at me. If I do it this way, these people will be mad at me. How do we do this? So this is where, where we meditate on Scripture and we actually, like, am I, am I doing this? Or do I love hypocritically and go, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to do what I think is right, and that's it. 
and God's my judge, and I'm an individual, and I don't need anybody else. Isn't that, isn't that, what we, isn't that where we go? He says, no, live peaceably with everybody. Everything that you do should be seen as honorable. Which means you have to explain yourself. You have to be able to give an account of what you're doing. I, I, I won't get into it, but I, I had this with the, the pastors. They brought up something that I was doing and was like, hey, is this, what's your motivations here? What's going on? And we dissect them. We spent, we spent a considerable amount of time talking about it. Because we have to. It's important. And our reputation matters. Because you're not an individual. You represent a body. But more than that, you represent God. We are ambassadors of Christ. Are we not? So if the ambassador is dishonorable... What does he say? God's name is cursed among the Gentiles because of you. Guys, it matters what we say and what we do. We can't live this thing where we just go, oh, I, can, I, can, I, I know that I'm good with God. That's an that's excuse to not have real relationships with people and not to spend the time to dig in and go, let me, let me tell you why I think what I think. Let me tell you why I did what I did. I, I, right? Which means you've got to be sensitive to that. You've got to see somebody side-eye you. And you got to dig in, right? Because they may not want to confront you. But you go, you kind of winced a little bit when I said that or when I did that. What are you thinking? I, we want to be honorable. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. This isn't how to get back at your enemy through love. It's not, that's not the point of this. This is like heaping burning coals on their head. Like, like, hopefully, God willing, they'll repent, right? Like, they'll see what real love looks like. They'll see the grace and mercy and love of God and turn to God. That's our hope, right? And that should be our prayer for everybody. But how often are we looking for revenge? Oh, man. How often do we post about revenge? How often do... Oh, man. I, I thank God for my wife. Man, like, I have been ready to post something so many times. And I'm like, but it's, it's quippy and it's good and it's, and it's truthful and it's biblical. No. Stop. Partly... Because I represent you guys, but also because I represent Christ. Right? We have accountability to each other. And it's, I mean, there's some good. I had some zingers. <laughs> but, but what am I showing? Am I trying to be right? I've said this before. Has anybody ever been convinced of a new truth on social media? Have you ever seen somebody in the comments go, you know what, I thought you were wrong, but you're right. <laughs> Never seen it. And then he ends in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, he, he wraps this back around to the top. This isn't just about you being morally a loving person. That's not the point. He's not, he's not just trying to create moralistic success stories. He's trying to say, like, like, this is how God is overcoming evil in this world. And this is what he has done historically. Go back to Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Go to verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So what were we to God? Enemies. We weren't like potentially good 
Christians. We didn't have potential. He didn't look at us and be like, you know what? That guy, I could do something with him. That girl, man, she's, she's got something in her. That's not how this works. We were enemies of God. And what does God do with his enemies? He shows us grace. Unmerited love. Undeserved forgiveness. He renders Satan, sin, and death powerless. He doesn't fight them with, with weapons of war and, and these types of conventional things. It's love. That's what overcomes, right? That's how God is winning. That's how God will win. And next week we're going to see exactly how love pairs with the law and obedience and truth. But this, you guys, this is it. This is what God is doing through us. And so we, aren't, we should not be leaving here going like, man, I, I could be more loving. I just got to work on being more loving. That's not the point. The point is that we should see ourselves for who we really are. We should fall before our God and say, God, make me how you command me to be. And guess who's the working power in that? The Holy Spirit. It's not you. You're not going to be able to buck up. You're not going to be able to like fulfill all these things. In fact, you couldn't even, these aren't even checklist items. Every day you got to work through these again, right? Every incident, every encounter, every opportunity, every relationship, over and over and over again the rest of your life. And so you go, God, make me what you want me to be. I want to be this, but you can't forget who you are. You can't say, I think my love is good. You got to be honest. You got to meditate over scripture. We got to go before our God and say, God, I want my love to be genuine. And that's my prayer for us as a church, that this body will have genuine love, that it would stand out, not so we can have a shiny bumper sticker on a car. Not so that we can have some label. No, so that God would be glorified. So that, that people would come in here and hear the gospel and be changed. So that we can go out and be a force for good. That we can go and build God's kingdom in every facet of our lives. And we can watch God change hearts and rescue humanity. That's what we're called to do. Let me pray. Father, we, we confess that our love is hypocritical. But we want it to be genuine, Father. Make us what you command us to be. Father, as we dwell on these things, I ask that you would that you would just do what you do. Give us opportunities. Help us to clearly see what your love looks like and to respond in a genuinely loving way in a way that reflects the love of Christ and in a way that glorifies you. May we sacrifice our lives in this way, Father. We know it's, it's hard because we want to respond in all these other ways. God, help us not to have superficial love critical love. Help us to love the way that you love us. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, so now's the time for the time of response. If you're a guest here, this is just, this is just time for you guys to respond to God. Um, we're not doing uh, conventional communion this morning, right? We've got family gathering afterwards, so we're going to we're going to break bread together. 
Um, and so this time is for you to pray. Um, if you have a prayer request, you can fill out one of the green cards over there on the table and drop in the offering box, or um, you can pray with one of the, um, one of the uh, prayer team that will be up at the doors here. This is a time for you to, to reflect on this. And hopefully I went through that slow enough that we can kind of let them lay down on us a little heavy. But now this is your guys' time to do that. Um, reflect on who Christ is and what he accomplished for us. Right? When, when I say that, when I say that, that the Holy Spirit does the work in you, that's because Christ has accomplished everything that we need. And he sent the Holy Spirit. That's our power. So if, if you go, man, I, I'm really struggling in this area, ask God. God wants you to be this way. He just wants you to want to be this way. He wants you to repent, to change your heart. That's what he's calling us, all of us, to do and to do. So we're going to respond for a little bit, and then the band's going to get up and, and play.